Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. As always, it's wonderful having you all here with me. I hope everyone's doing well. My guest today is an award-winning producer and music supervisor from Portland, Oregon. He first came under our radar. We did our Elliot Smith Either Or episode with our guest, Corey Dubrowa. And my guest happened to do the uh, wonderful Elliot Smith documentary, Heaven Adores You. I'm talking about Kevin Moyer. So he got in touch with me. He said, hey, I love music. I'd love to come on and talk about a record. So, of course, I said, sure. So he's here now. His latest project that he's working on is the Red Cross story, Born Innocent, which I'm really excited about. We talked about that a little. But he came to talk uh, some Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. And it was awesome. And we're going to get right to it. So here's me and my guest, Kevin Moyer. So are you Portland? Is Portland sort of like your uh, where you've been mostly Portland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised Portland. Um, so that's why the uh, Elliot Smith connection uh, for the documentary. Yeah, and, yeah. And... Elliot, uh, he went to the, we went to the same high school. We ran in the same circle of friends. He oh, was okay. older than me. Okay, nice. Um, I've released some of his music. Uh, we did the film about him. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Portland's uh, very artist, food, music-centric, and uh, not very big. So if you're in any of those scenes, there's always crossover. So where did uh, Red Cross come in? Like, how did you come into the, the, the Red Cross? Um, I always, so I kind of, I do produ- I produce, but I also do music supervision. And I've always kind of just been like this music kind of, I, I like everything kind of, um, you know, everything good, I like to think, but kind of all over the board. Um, but I do, and, and that's kind of playing into this album, I think, the Beastie Boys album that we're going to talk about, because I think that kind of opened me up to all the different genres. But like back when I was 15, when this album came out, um, I was more into like punk, Ramones, uh, the big boys, uh, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And the Beastie Boys, I mean, most people only knew them from their first album when they were bratty, frat rock, white boys, uh, kind of a joke a little bit. Um, but they had started as a punk band. Uh, which is kind of how they were on my radar. And so uh, they kind of started doing, you know, the whole Alexis Dale album with Rick Rubin and they kind of started doing this rap thing and that kind of, and, and touring with Run DMC and Madonna and that opened my mind to 
uh, you know, I got the Run DMC tape and, you know, the Fat Boys tape, you know, like I was right, 15, right. but it's kind of expanding my mind. Um, and then this album came out and it was all like 70s samples and pop culture references and, and crazy. So I, from, I think 15, 16, I just kind of, my brain went a million different directions. It wasn't just punk, it was hip hop, it was, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, I got in, I, like, just kind of everything. And somewhere along those lines, um, you know, and there was hair metal in there, like all the stuff. Right. All right. the stuff. Um, but Red Cross was in there later, not when I was 15, like when I was in college-ish, which was in the late 80s, 90s. kind of jumped on my radar and I always really thought and they were kind of the band Red Cross is the band that you know your favorite bands it's their favorite band you know like Nirvana um, you know a whole bunch of like name some iconic bands and they all were into Red Cross and I always thought that Red Cross um, should be you know more well known um, especially with the people who point at them and say hey they should be more well known oh yeah so uh, they were working on a Red Cross album Andrew uh, the director and I re- then like five, six years ago, I reached out. I was like, hey, man, when you get to the point, I want to help you with this. I, I love those guys and I want to help, you know, get their music out there more and, and tell their story. And, um, you know, five, six years later, I mean, films take a long time, especially when they're independent and being done by just a couple of people. But uh, so, yeah, he was he's awesome, awesome director. And uh, he helped let me come aboard and help out. And, and we're still kind of finishing that up now. Oh, nice. That was a long answer to to answer Red Cross. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, I went that's fine. Way. That's fine. I went all the way back to age 15. <laughs> that, no, no, that's good because we're going to, yeah, obviously that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. All right. So, uh, yeah, right from the start, you kind of answered my first question because I was wondering when you came across this, but you kind of, so you did, you you were into this, uh, This I guess this album came at the perfect time for you, right? Because you were just getting into all this different music and this has got everything in there, you know, there's so many different reference points. Well, I mean, when you're age 15, you're kind of like a, a blank easel and like, that's a blank slate. I and mean, that's like when I was kind of just starting to... To, I, I like music before then, of course, but you're, it's this whole new world. And I don't know if I was getting into a whole bunch of new music until this album, really. I mean, it it dropped on my birthday. I really liked the uh, the bratty, you know, the, the Beastie Boys, Lifeless to Ill, when they were they were rapping and touring with Run DMC and Madonna, and they had... I mean, they were, you know, that's kind of where they were coming from for this album, is they were kind of uh, broken up. Like, they were... When they did Lifeless to Ill, they were kind of seen as a joke because there were these white boys doing rap and they were chugging beers on stage and they had I, a did. Giant... I was total i'll be honest with you just real quick i'm older than you and i couldn't stand them in that first album uh, i yeah. just totally wrote them off and you know i, did... I was the brad i was i was into it because i was probably young enough yeah, to think yeah, that they were funny and awesome but uh <laughs> as an adult looking back i was like they're kind of you know punk but then when they had a giant blow-up penis on stage and like girls in cages and just stuff that like now is completely not okay right. but exactly. when you're 15 and you're seeing these guys pounding beers and you're like oh okay and they, awesome. and they seem like they're your yeah <laughs> so i was into it um but you know exactly like you're saying a lot of people were like these guys are just one hit wonders gimmicks jokes you know they're they're gonna they're gonna disappear and they did they almost they they broke up they had a uh a feud with Def Jam with the label that released that first album right uh they weren't getting paid royalties so they kind of and and those were their friends you know that was that was uh their their buddies they you know, started in a dorm room and, you know, right. Uh, so they were kind of done. Ad Rock moved to LA and, 
uh, ran into the Dust Brothers, who are the guys that made the the beats for this album, and that kind of rekindled them as a band. Right. And so they put out this album, you know, and to kind of move, I, I think to kind of move away from their first album, although there's still like threads of partying and well, there's a lot of partying. Uh, so there's still the immaturity in it, but it's like the evolution. But bigger than them as a band is what they did, this album did for the industry. I mean, there really wasn't much sampling. There was like a you know, like hip hop would take a take a record and throw it on and, and loop it, and the DJ would loop it and there'd be a beat. But this was like taking like 37 samples and mashing them up and like layering them and then slowing them down. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's totally common now, like mashups, but that wasn't back then. And and the other thing I think about that's super interesting about this album is like it could never be done now. It can this this album could never be recreated because it'd be so expensive. Right, right, uh, right. There's like a hundred to three hundred samples on it. Uh, but to answer your question about like, sorry, to how I how I got into it, like I was into the 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 first album, and then when they released this album, honestly, it kind of was a commercial flop, and I was confused by it. I got it thinking it was the next you know volume two of the first album, right, and it, it was right, so right. like so dense with like samples and when you're 15 like all their pop culture references they're talking about like new york mayors and like baseball players and like all sorts of like jack hurryock and like you know all sorts of stuff that as a 15 year old was like way over my head right and i didn't like it at first like i, I got it on my birthday and i was excited and i did not like it i was gonna ask you that because that i guess for a lot of like fans that liked the first album i guess that was that would be their impression too but like good on you for sort of sticking with it a little and doing it because because like I said I, I wrote them off the first album I kind of ignored this and I just heard oh that, I heard it was a flop whatever and then years later of course I kept hearing people talking about Paul Petit and referencing it and I said oh shit I guess I gotta listen to this thing and yeah I came it to it late and then realized oh my god this thing is yeah, fucking it was, unbelievable it this was, is like a it masterpiece it was too much <laughs> it was too much for my 15 year old mind right, but right, I right, think right. I, look, I look at it now as like it was an education like I kept with it because I didn't have a whole lot of tapes for my Walkman. So I was just, <laughs> okay. I kept listening to it. And then, you know, it like, you know, the name of your podcast, you know, that record got me high. I think of like high makes you feel good and it kind of opens your mind to new worlds. And that's kind of exactly what this album did for me. It's like, I, I like I said, it was too dense and, and complicated for me at first, but I kept listening to it and like, it feels good. You know, it's like up tempo and, and disco in seventies. And like, it's like, it's not dreary. It's 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 fun. It's but there's also like a lot of like worlds that opened up to me as far as like all the genres of the samples they used and like the pop culture references and uh, so it really was an education and maybe that's why my my 15 year old brain didn't like it at the time because it was it felt like more school but <laughs> it it tricked you it tricked me into learning all these different genres and I, I honestly credit my variety of interest in music now to that to that album to Paul's Boutique because. You know, it was like it was music that just wasn't on my radar as a 15 year old kid. You right, know, right, it was right. 70s stuff, and that was, you know, I was either one years old or, you know, or not born yet. So yeah, yeah, because because there's rock there, but there's also like funk, there's soul, there's yeah. jazz. <laughs> yeah, there's everything. They've got like southern rock in there. They've got like, yeah, just everything: disco, you know, jazz, blues. Right. You know, Johnny Cash. They got the Ramones in there, which I appreciate. And that's probably what kept me uh, interested. Was like there was just enough stuff that I already knew. Right. 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 Uh, right. To keep me interested, but I was like, wait, that slowed down. Why did they? And then I'd go back and go, oh. Oh, that's a Beatles song, you know, and and the Beatles is a big thing too. We sh we should talk about that, but there's like a lot of uh, Beatles things in this. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. yeah. Like, well, no, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So 
I, I was kind of geeking out on it, but um, you know, well, well, first I read that Ad Rock was saying like one of his first bands that he ever heard probably was like the Beatles. Like I think it was Rubber Soul that his dad used to play all the time, and and as a little kid he'd run around yelling to it. But there's people have said like Paul's Boutique Beastie Boys is kind of the the Sergeant Pepper of hip hop, or maybe the 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 pet sounds of hip hop. Right. Um, taking all these, you know, it's it, it's like also it's kind of embracing the album format where there's you know it, it kind of just all blends together like every track all the samples they all kind of you, you you can go from track one to seven and not know that you went from track one to seven right right um so there's that like the sergeant pepper thing there's a bunch of uh again going to the samples and, and this ties back to the beatles but this album could never be done now because there's like 100 to 300 samples on it and and you know did they get permission did they not there's different answers on that yeah i i, I had read somewhere there's great like the sort of the credo uh for the whole album was sample first figure out clearance later <laughs> yeah mike uh or mca actually said uh let's put the nail in the coffin on sampling with this album let's see what we can get away with right and they did i mean some of the samples are outright just plagiarism and just like dropped them under there and they didn't change anything at all but some of them are like some of the most unique creative uses where they're they're slowing something down and layering it i mean i think they just went out of their way to sample to make a point to kind of um just just go with it and i think the album that came after this check your head they've started picking up their instruments more and i think that was a reaction to this one right. where they're like hey let's let's remind people that we can actually play instruments yeah yeah which is great but this uh i, I you know it, it's it's funny because now, yeah, in hindsight, it's sort of hard. You really have to appreciate how groundbreaking and different this is. I mean, this is a band that their first album sold, what, like 10 million copies of their first album. And then this album basically has hardly any live instruments played on it. I mean, by them at all. It's all made up. But but it's like it's like they're using all these things so creatively. It's so creative. And I guess, you know, a lot of that, of course, has to go to the Dust Brothers because a lot of these uh, instrumental things and everything were put together by them already. And and it's funny. I, I, I guess I read that they're, they were saying to Beasties, well, we could strip out all that, all this extra stuff and just go to the raw beats and you guys could work on that. But it's like, they were like, no, we want to wrap over all the shit that you already put in these songs. Yeah, they were like, Put more in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> put, more, exactly. put more samples. I mean, they, they so as, as I mentioned, they were kind of like uh, having a feud with their previous label, Def Jam, and they put some samples from their last album. They sampled themselves. Right, right. Kind of like a, <laughs> we're going to poke the bear a little bit. Yeah, but that's going great. back to the Beatles. So they, they sampled the Beatles. You know, like if you're going to go up against an artist and you're going to be like, hey, we're going to use your shit, uh, why not go big you know the the beatles are the you know yeah <laughs> uh they there's there's one track on here the sounds of science that we can talk to when we get to it but like they sampled the beatles six times in there and and like three of them were necessary for the song the other three were like one's like the sound of a plane landing from ussr oh right right and then there's like just some crowd noise but they had no reason like uh, yeah i mean you, you live right? in, you, you can go get crowd noise anywhere you exactly. don't need to use the sergeant pepper's <laughs> crowd noise but they were doing it to make a point so yeah, yeah, yeah. um and and the, and the beatles lawyers came after him i don't i never saw uh what happened with that it's probably under an nda but uh i do remember that interestingly the beatles came after them for sampling uh but they also sample a bunch of paul mccartney solo stuff on one of the songs but they never got in trouble for that so <laughs> right. i don't know if it was just overlooked amongst all the other stuff or yeah or you know so the beatles machine only cared about the beatles right so. right 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 just to tie up the beatles uh 
like years, years later, uh, they moved back to New York and they were looking for space to record. And, uh, and, and John had passed already by the, at this point, John Lennon. And Sean Lennon, his son, reached out and said, hey, you can use my studio. So they ended up using uh, Sean's studio and all the instruments in there. Like, you know, there was stuff with uh, John Lennon's name on it and stuff. So there is oh, wow. like a whole, you know, from Ad-Rock, <laughs> first listening to Rubber Souls, a young kid, to like, recording with John Lennon's guitars and whatnot with his son. Um, and, you know, the lawsuit and the sampling. Was, and, and again, like, I think this this Paul's Boutique album is like the Sgt. Pepper of... Um, of hip hop because you wouldn't listen you know like if you if you separate the sergeant pepper songs they they all kind of lead into each other um and that's what that's what this album does and and it's kind of all over the place so and you know the collage cover of sergeant pepper i would say is pretty apt uh metaphor for the way they made the music on this it's like a mosaic of samples and right, different right, artists right. and and it is and and it's so dense. Uh, there's so much going on that it really, it's something that you could sort of get inside of and live with for a long time, which is what, I mean, I, I did, like I said, years ago, I did come to it and I realized how great it was, but just doing it, re revisiting it now again, it's just like kind of mind boggling. And let's, let's start listening because like I said, I mean, we were talking uh, before um, I was talking yeah, with let's Kevin. Talk more rock. Yeah. And, and I said, <laughs> you know, I got clips just, just so we could dive into it. Clips, mostly like the beginnings of songs, but obviously I'm going to put more stuff into it, but let's get, uh, into the first uh, the first song to all the girls, which is kind of like uh, already you could you could hear you you could feel a little ship chain for them because it's it's like a shout out to a woman around the world, but it's a little more respectful. I feel like this is than something that would have been on their first record. You know what I mean? So let's listen to the uh, opening a uh, little bit of uh, to all the girls. The Italian women, the Italian women, Italian women. to the Upper East Side mobile. To all the Jamaican girls, Jamaican girls, Jamaican girls, and to the topless dancers, topless dancers, topless dancers, Australian, Australian, and Brazilian, Kevin, right from the start, it, the way it starts out, like it's so quiet. It's like you could—it's almost like you're in the studio and they haven't brought the um, faders up yet. That's like really interesting the, the way they do it, the way it bleeds in. It's almost like—is this right? Well, like why is it so low? You know, and uh, yeah, yeah. Why cool. isn't my music playing? I, I press play. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that. That song, I mean, so that's that's an example of using a sample where they did nothing to it. Like the music behind there is Idris Muhammad's Lauren's Dance, okay. which is a great song. I, I mean, it's it's that for like, it's, and I hate when people say that something's a vibe, but if anything is a vibe, <laughs> it's like that song. It's and it like, it sets up the whole like feeling for the album. Right. And, and, and the end of the album ends with this track as well. Um, they they go back to this and right. it fades out, just like you're saying. Um, but it, it's a good song. I, I recommend people check it out. But yeah, it's 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 just them talking talking over an existing music. They didn't, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, they didn't change anything. They're just playing it, right. other than like fading it in, like you said. 
but yeah, it's a, it's a good one, and it and it sets the tone for the whole album. Yeah, yeah, it 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 really does, and then it, uh, and then it goes into the uh, the next one, "Shake Your Rump," which obviously there's a lot of uh, sampling and stuff in here that I'm I'm sure you 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 have know them all, but let's listen to it a little bit first, and then we'll talk about it a little bit of "Shake Your Rump." sound is so nasty it's, it's like uh it's like this low oscillating like flatulence or something yes <laughs> it's from uh it's from the rose royce soundtrack it's from a song called uh six o'clock djs but they used like for that song for that track they used a whole bunch of songs from the the uh car wash soundtrack oh, okay, uh, the, okay. that main beat at the beginning so i'm gonna i'm gonna geek out and tell you some samples do it, and do it i'm do gonna it. recommend that some people check out some songs for each one if i can but uh funky snakefoot by alfonso mazan uh was that opening drum uh drum roll right and then the beat goes into harvey scales dancing room only um I really recommend if people are into that funk kind of the whole vibe of this Paul's Boutique album to check out um, uh, the Alphonse Mazone whole album like Funky Snakefoot um, or there's a song called uh, Snowbound Snowbound is that what it's called um, Snowbound from Mind Transplant it's another album he has but those are all great but uh, the name of that track Shake Your Rump came from James Brown and uh, Africa Bombada song called Unity 2 which they sample um, this song is like so full of samples this was one of the ones like you said that the dust brothers did before they met right. they were going to play this as like a, a song in the club and they didn't have to worry about clearances because they, were, they weren't going to sell it they were just gonna it's gonna be a club jam right um they actually it was called uh i think it was called full cloud originally and then like you said the beastie boys came in loved it and said we want to rap over it and they were like well we can take some of the noise and stuff out and they're like no put more in <laughs> yeah so but it's such a it's such a you know it's it feels so funky and like coming off of that opening jazz kind of number where it's mellow um it's 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 a good one and yeah it's like there's there's a couple of pop there, i mean there's pop culture references all through this like they, they that bunch of tv shows they got the flintstones um, they got the brady yeah. bunch yeah it's great yeah <laughs> i mean they 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 reference the flintstones like two or three times on this whole album it's like you i dare you to find me a hip-hop album that references the flintstones one yeah, time yeah. let alone three times but then, yeah patty duke and yeah <laughs> alice uh sam the butcher bringing alice the meat uh yeah. you know they're being real though because this is all the shit that they watched as kids obviously that they grew up with watching so they're being real and, and again like opening your mind like as a kid like as a 15 year old i was listening to this and i was like i know what the brady bunch was because i was on at four o'clock when i got home from school but right, like, right, i right. didn't know i didn't know what patty duke patty duke's a tv show no that's and the dance <laughs> Before um, your you know time. stuff like that um <laughs> they, they uh mike d references he's back from the dead and there was this kind of going back to the beatles again there was a whole moment where uh, there was rumors that Mike D had died, you know, kind of like Paul. Oh, right, was it Paul right, right. Who died? Oh, yeah, Paul's, yeah, the walrus is Paul and Paul's dead. <laughs> um, so there's that. But, um, and then in the middle of the song, 
and, and again, like to a to a pure fifteen year old, when they break the song and there's just audio of a bong hit. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, you know, mom and dad, turn down the radio quick. Uh, well, at first I probably didn't even know what it was, but right, then right, I realized, yeah. you know. But it, that also became popular. Like suddenly, all there's all these albums are out, and there's bong hits on the albums. So, yep. one thing I I do wanna I, I do wanna mention is that as much as I as, as much as I wanted to hate these guys, they are really good rappers. Like uh, they're good, and, and and I also appreciate you always know which one it is. You know if if it's Ad Rock, you know if it's MCA, you know Mike D. I mean, they all had their uh, personality and their voices and they're really good at just melding it all together so you know you, you, you just can't take that away from them well, especially on this album like they, they come in and out more I think I'd have to do a comparison but like I feel like they're finishing each other's sentences on this album more than they were before like maybe the previous album they would have a whole verse and the other guy would have another verse right, but right, right, on this right. one they've got like a sentence and half the time the, the sentence is finished by another one of the guys and I mean that's hard to do too yeah, I mean yeah. I know they're in the studio doing this uh, you know you can you can pause and copy and paste but um, they do it live too and that's hard to do finishing literally finishing each other's sentences so not only are they good at dan- uh, rapping in the flow but like having to bounce off each other that's that's like playing basketball you have to know where your man is well that's the thing that's why you can't you know some people will take away from hip-hop saying well it's not like music but no you have to be a musician and these guys are all musicians and you have to be a musician to be able to to do that and to be able to make it all flow as good as they do i mean there, there is there is musical skill involved with you know the, and they were starting to get that credibility too i mean like they toured with run dmc but for this album specifically chuck d said the the dirty little secret out in the industry was that the Beastie Boys had the best beats of anyone at the time. <laughs> right, right. So, and then that's coming from Chuck D of Public Enemy. So. Right, right. All right, so now we get uh, Johnny Rial, which I guess uh, apparently is a story about a real guy, but let's listen to a little and then we'll talk about it. Let's do a little bit of Johnny Rial. So who is uh, Johnny Royal? He, he was a real guy, right? According to what people say, it was you know I wasn't there, but apparently it was some homeless guy that was on the stoop of Mike D's house in New York, or a, a place, apartment, wherever he was living. Some homeless guy who had kind of like a rockabilly look to him. And I don't know if what they're saying in the track is true. Like, I don't know if they sat down and talked to the guy and got all this information or if they're just, you know, making a character off of the guy uh, that they had seen there. Right. Uh, but yeah, right. supposedly he's a homeless guy. But I will, the, some of the internet nerds, not nerds, don't, don't, don't message me, but like the, the enthusiasts, <laughs> the, uh, some of them think, and I don't know if I agree, but I can see it. Some of them think that this is kind of a hidden diss track to Def Jam, their old label. 
uh, Rael sounds suspiciously like royalties. Rael royalties. I don't know. That's a stretch. Oh. But some people say that they're uh, making a little bit of a jab. And the fact that on this song is the where they sample their themselves. Uh, they sample... Uh, uh, Kick It from Fight for Your Right to Party and then Check the Cool Wax. And those were both on the Def Jam License to Ill album. So there's argument to be made that we're like, we're going to sample everybody, including our own label who didn't pay us. Right. So F you, you know. Yeah. Is that true? I don't know. But there's definitely those threads there. Uh, but yeah, to me, to me, it sounds like it's about a, a homeless guy that they, they encountered and made a story about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and I also, I read something else that was actually interesting. I guess uh, at some point, Mike T gave him a, a Def Jam jacket. Like they got from Def Jam, they got these like leather, really nice leather jackets, Def Jam, and he gave it to him. And th- there was a picture of him with it. And I guess Russell Simmons was not happy about that because he didn't want Def Jam to be associated with homeless people. Yeah. Guess, which <laughs> so is kind of, go. yeah. <laughs> So it's both. So it's both. So it's the homeless guy and the beef with Def Jam. And yep, hey, we're yep. gonna give you this leather jacket to. Yeah, see, that's funny. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> that kind of, kind of puts a, a nice point to it. Right, um, right. The the main sample of that is David Bromberg, a uh, song called Sharon, oh, okay. which is uh, it's it's a good song to check that one out. It's it's the it's kind of the. Uh, the bass and the rhythm guitar and the beat, it's kind of the main part of the song. I was at this carnival just a few years ago. No big deal, Ferris wheel, same old stuff, you know. And, and in the original version, I mean, he's got like, I think it's like a six minute song. And if you really love it, it's a 10 minute version. Uh, but it's kind of more uh, bluesy where he, it, it's, I don't know if it's blues. I don't know how I would categorize it, but it's a good song. Right. All right, so the next one, Eggman. They have they have kind of like a, a preoccupation with with eggs. It seems there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of eggs that go on with uh, with them. Um, but we could talk about it. Let's listen to a little bit of Eggman. going on here there's obviously a lot going on here i mean again like as a 15 year old listening to this you know i might have done some egging of houses so the again again that's the bratty behavior from the first album but you know they're 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 i don't know they're telling a story i i've read that uh they were staying at the mandalorian in la hotel and they would go up on the roof and egg people across the street yes so but I, i i mean like you said there's a lot of egg references it goes back even further than this album uh on their uh bef- on their early punk album hardcore punk i mean they were you wouldn't recognize them um but they had a song called egg Raid on mojo uh and the the lyrics uh were we all dressed in black snuck up around the back 
something, something attack, the egg on your back. And it's those are the exact lines that are co-opted and used in this now. So um, they reference themselves. And yeah, like you said, the, the egging uh, didn't start with this album. It didn't start on the Mandalorian Hotel roof. Apparently they have been big egging fans for years. <laughs> Which isn't cool. If any children listening, that's not cool. Yeah. No one wants to have yeah, uh, yeah. a fucking egg thrown on them uh, if they're walking yeah. the streets in New York. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're, you're waiting for a comedy club. You're standing in line. You're all dressed up. You're on a I date. Know. You're ready to go in and you get egg. That's not cool. All that's right, cool. but uh, great. Uh, so what's that What's that music in the beginning? What is that uh, What is that from? So, uh, this one's kind of interesting. There's Well, there's the, uh, the, the bass line from Superfly, Curtis Mayfield, which probably everybody knows, but right. there's also the main beat throughout is from Sport uh, by Lightning Rod from the album Hustlers Convention. I recommend that one. Uh, but uh, Dance to the Music from Sly and the Family Stone, Tower of Powers in there, um, all of those great funk bands. Um, but the, sa- the samples I want to point out are uh, movies. Uh, they've got uh, Jaws, the Jaws score. Uh, oh, right, right, layered, right, right, right. Layered and mixed with uh, Psycho when he's going in the shower. Yep. yep. Then in the... So they've got those, not only did they sample them, but they've merged them on top of each other to make this creepy, like, I don't know, climax, I guess, um, or to the point of the point of the song. And then they jump to another couple uh, movies. There's a scream in there, and it's either like Drew Barrymore from E.T. or uh, Newt from Aliens. And then they use a little bit of Cape Fear in there, too. So, oh wow! Uh, they weren't just sampling artists; they were sampling giant movie studios. Yeah, and also I should point out, also they're sampling not sampling, but borrowing lyrics because there's a Public Enemy. There's some Public Enemy here because when he says, "When I pull out the station, you're going to get yours," that's from uh, "You're going to get yours, Public Enemy," and also now they got me in a cell, but I don't care. Is I bring the noise? So like uh, absolutely, they're, yeah, they're they're just and, and and they and they they name check. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of their 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 inner gang, the Ricky Powell is mentioned on here. Uh, Eric Hayes is actually, oh, actually, you know what? It's perfect you brought that up because on this track alone, they say something about the eggs being runny. And then if you listen closely, and so this is a perfect example because Miles Davis said this is an album that you can listen to over and over. The Miles Davis said this. He's like, really? I can never stop listening to this <laughs> wow. because there's so many things you can you can find something 30 years later. And here's a perfect example. When Ad-Rock, I think it is, says the line about the eggs being runny, or somebody says the line about the eggs being runny, in the background you hear him say, Ray! And that is a egg Easter egg, pardon the pun, to Run DMC's movie Tougher Than Leather, which revolves around a murder of their friend, Runny Ray. So the Runny Egg, and he yells, Ray, Runny Ray, Run DMC, who they had just toured with and are friends with and were on Def Jam. Um, and then there's a guy named Eric Hayes that's mentioned about catching an egg uh, in the song, too. And he's a homie that, like, he he was a, a well-known graffiti artist. He did the font for their next album, Check Your Head. So exactly to your point, not only are they name-dropping Public Enemy and people like that, but people that you would not know are in their inner inner circle, Oh yeah, kind of shouting, outing everybody. It's dizzying. It's mind-boggling. And yeah. if you're a fan yeah. of Easter eggs, this is your jam because they're, yeah. yeah, if Easter you love eggs, eggs this, uh... this is the one for you. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of uh, movie references too, there's uh, tons of old movie references in this next one uh, with samples and stuff. But let's listen to a little bit of High Plains Drifter.
Yeah, so obviously classic rock bands will recognize uh, those shoes by the Eagles. <laughs> but what else do we got going on here? Uh, well, that's the main part of it. Uh, I was reading someone thought that there was a ZZ Top bass line in there. I'm not sure. It sounds pretty, uh, pretty much the Eagles is the main thing of that. Right. Um, but it could, you know, who knows? I mean, there's so many like little nuanced things layered in there and like little pieces here or there. Right. Um, right, right. But I do love uh, the, the Susie is a headbanger. Uh, sample from the Ramones. Of course, of course. And then uh, there's uh, the out of the hair, long hair, uh, out of the car, long hair from uh, Loggins and Messina, who's like Kenny Loggins. So like, <laughs> again, like how how can you take uh, Kenny Loggins and the Ramones in the same like and and make it cool? Right. It's 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 dizzying. It is. How many different references and like genres they pulled from, um, to like to paint this tapestry, this mosaic of like like references and samples and like it's not just the music that's like all over the place it's the it's the lyrics and the and the and the thing so yeah i mean i think the the main part of this song high plains drifter it's about you know uh well clint eastwood the movie like you said like the the previous track had the jaws and the psycho and the cape fear uh movie samples and leads into this one which is basically named after a clint eastwood movie the dirty harry high plains drifter um he meant they mentioned dirty harry in there they mentioned dirty mary crazy larry which is a 1974 film they mentioned steve mcqueen they mentioned uh travis bickle who's the uh de niro character from taxi driver um otis the drunk uh from griffith uh uh, andy griffith show um so yeah i mean again like I feel, I guess the point here is like, they're not just throwing out all these references in pop culture. They're not just like Kool-Aid, you know, they're just not right, just right, grabbing right, right. random stuff that they see. They usually tie to the thematic of the song and the lyrics. I mean, they'll use a sample, they'll sample something that they just name drop. So I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg man, but um, if, I don't know if they did the sample and then they're like, we're going to write a lyric uh, that references that sample, or if they wrote the lyrics and they were like, we need to throw in a Ramones and, you know, there's there's a lot of interplay between the music and the lyrics and the references and they're not just random they're no they're not a lot of time they're loaded there's a lot of thought that goes into all of this there really is and you just it's impressive you've got to be impressed by it all i read the album took so they did the two demos with the dust brothers which was full clout that turned into uh shake your rump and then uh another one called dust uh dust jam dust something that turned into car thief and they used those two tracks and those were songs that were already done by the dust brothers they wrapped over they used them as demos to get their record label deal with uh capital and so those two songs got them a three million dollar two album deal um but of that money and of that time this album this paul's boutique album took like a year and a half and like a million dollars to produce and i don't even know if that million dollars is including if they cleared any samples so I guess my point was a, a year of putting this together kind of shows you the 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 thought and the the process of the the building the beats and the, and the references and everything else. They they didn't just kick this out in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It was like a year and a half of uh, you know forty five minute album. Right, 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 right. But yeah, the the proof finally the the proof's in the pudding because some some uh, you know other people could have taken all that money and all that time and just put out shit and nothing. <laughs> of uh of any value but they definitely yeah. you know with all their you know as as big a, a goofballs as they were throwing eggs on people from the mondrian hotel they also uh are extremely extremely good at picking all these you know seemingly disparate things and putting it all together in something that's like 
unique, you know, and yeah. especially at the time, it's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. I mean, again, like it's, it's easy to like, oh, it's a mashup album, you know, like that's totally normal now. Like there's Girl Talk and like other bands that, you know, the the, the Grey album where Danger Mouse mixed uh, Jay-Z and, right, right, and the Beatles. Right. Um, that's no, that's, that's something we do now. This was 1989, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 1989. That's, lifetimes ago that there's most of a lot of people listening to this podcast probably weren't even alive yet this it just wasn't done and not only was it not done but they did it in such a creative layered way it's 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 really impressive it is and uh and all right i'm sure there's a lot of things to talk about this next song listen to a little bit of the sounds of science now here we go dropping science dropping it all over like bumping around the town like when you're driving a range rover expanding the Okay, so you had mentioned this earlier. So what's the deal with this one? First of all, listening to that new, I just heard another egg reference on there. So oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this is the one where they sampled the Beatles. So that part we just heard was basically the whole thing was the oboe part, uh, the oboe sound from uh, "When I'm 64" by the Beatles. Oh, wow. um, and then right as it was fading out, uh, it was the crowd sound, also from Sgt. Pepper's. There's also in there, there's the jet taking off from back in the USSR, right. which was totally unnecessary. They didn't need that sound. They didn't need the crowd sound either. Of course. Uh, they were just <laughs> making the, the Beatles. Point. Yeah. And then, and then later in the same track, um, probably the best part, I think, is uh, the Beatles' The End, uh, where it's kind of that fast down, down, down. That comes in. Um, and then the beat over that, over the guitar sample, is uh, from Sgt. Pepper's Reprise. So there's six... Uh, Beatles samples in this one and a half minute track or however long it is like an excessive amount of Beatles samples like especially like you know with the Beatles you're not even supposed to sample them without permission right let alone doing it six times and let's make a point of like sampling just crowd noise that we don't need we could get that anywhere um so this is the one that kind of brought out the lawyers uh the Beatles lawyers it's yeah it's, it's like you said it's amazing this album definitely could not have been made now it just couldn't have been it just would have been way too expensive so it's like yeah. this two minute song alone would have been impossible let alone the whole album you know, but, <laughs> and and again it goes to the samples and the references again they all have a purpose i mean it's called the sounds of science and they've got all sorts of pop culture references in the lyrics but they include ben franklin and isaac newton yeah. galileo and you know it's like okay we get it it's about science yeah <laughs> um clever i mean these guys are rare you know at the end of the day they're there's are three smart kids young kids maybe privileged that's the one thing i always just uh, oh god again these goddamn kids that you could tell they come from privilege and everything but at the end of the day also they're really smart and they're talent and they're really talented and you know you can't think and of they're them. young enough they're young enough at the time to feel invincible because i remember mike d had a quote that said how cool is it to get sued by the beatles i was like well right. you know 
if you're my age and you've got anxiety and you're no, laying I awake at think night, that was cool at all. Yeah, but when you're young and invincible, that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this next one, uh, typically, again, uh, typically clever, bonkers rhymes throughout it. Uh, let's do a little bit of three minute rule. I love the sound of the ping pong game, first of all. Yeah, that's right. You know, and you know, and, and, and uh, yeah. they were doing that in the studio, right? They were playing yeah, ping pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that this album was made on uh, marijuana and red wine. So that was probably what was going on there. Somebody was like, hey, man, record record the ping pong game. Yeah, right. It's gold. <laughs> it's gold. But yeah, that's layered in there. I mean, it's just like using... It, it's, it's the creativity that I like. It's just using sounds where you find them, like found sounds. I mean, and, you know found sounds in a record store that you you've uh you know taken from major labels and sampled those as well but why just use the beatles when you can use the sound of the the ping pong game going on in the background yeah um this sly and the family stone they use that again uh the brave and the strong from there's a riot going on well from Fancy Feel Good. Um, both good songs. Uh, very funky. Um, lots of 70s references in this one again. Um, but I think, you know, there's like Starkist Tuna commercial. Uh, the, the interesting thing is like, okay, so the, yeah, they're, they're taking a lot of funk stuff and blues stuff and jazz stuff, but they're also layering in like classic rock and stuff. And so like, again, like, if you're if you're just a rap kid or if you're interested in their first album, you're getting an education from all this. I mean, they reference uh, "Proud Mary Keeps on Turning" by Creedence Clearwater Revival, "Do Wah Diddy" by Manfred Mann. Right, right, right. Uh, Bob Dylan is referenced all over this. You know, Bob Marley is sampled and re- you know, like, you know, it's 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 kind of just everything. It's like nothing was off limits, and and somehow it all works together. Yeah, yeah. And um, all right, so this next one, hey ladies, this one uh, kind of a throwback to License to Ill, I feel like, but uh, uh, there's some there's some funny stuff to talk about this one too. But let's listen to a little bit of Hey Ladies.
<laughs> so yeah, that line, I've got more hits than uh, Sidaharu. Oh, that's a reference to the Japanese baseball player who hit 868 home runs in the Japanese league. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, again, it's like an education. It's yeah. like, we're going to just name drop something and you need to go find out what it is. Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, and again, you know, there's more TV shows. There's the Chuck Woolery, you know, from the Love oh, Connection. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, welcome back, Cotter. James <laughs> yeah, Chachi in Charge, which I loved at the time because there was uh, Charles in Charge and then Chachi from, right. uh, you know, Happy Days. Um, you know, it's, 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 again, it's just, it's all over the place. Um, and it's great. It's it, what makes it interesting. It makes it, it's, it's when Miles Davis said you can keep going back and listening 30 That's years crazy. later. That's crazy. That blows stuff. my mind that Miles Davis is, this is on his radar. I mean, that, that yeah. right if there you, kind you of shows. You've got Miles you. Davis saying that about your album. You did something right. Exactly. And then Chuck D of Public Enemies telling you you got the best beats at the time. I mean, like these, it was a statement, you know, like these, these, everybody had written the band off as a joke. They're one hit wonder inflatable penises on stage, you right. know, misogynistic partiers. Yep. And I think this was their first step in like saying, Hey, we've actually got skills and um, let us show you. It went really sample heavy as we're talking about, but on the next album, they're like, we're going to go instrument heavy. We're going to pick up our instruments and show you that we can actually play. So I think this was a, not only an evolution for the band, uh, but I mean, it changed the industry. I mean, literally after this album came out, the sample laws changed and you would never be able to do this. So right. um, it did something. And isn't that what like great art does is it, it disrupts things. Isn't that the kind of the whole punk aesthetic is disrupt the man and break down society and, and get something new growing yeah, it, from it something. It kind of changes the uh, rules and like moves the yeah. Uh, goalposts. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. They, they put the nail in the sampling coffin and said, <laughs> we don't care. Right. Um, all right, so you flip it over. You got the five-piece chicken dinner, which I'll play a little underneath, but it's just a little quick instrumental thing that bleeds right into uh, looking down the barrel of a gun. And uh, let's listen to a little bit of looking down the barrel of a gun. I know there's some uh, Pink Floyd going there, right? But uh, what else is going on here? Yeah, there's like a piano chord. Like I, and I, I, that was one of those ones I didn't discover till later. There's like a piano chord from Pink Floyd's time in there, from Dark Side of the Moon, that's kind of just dropped in there subtly. Uh, the main beat is Last Bongo in Belgium by uh, the Incredible Bongo Band, which is interesting uh, in that the Incredible Bongo Band has a sample that's the most sampled drum break in the history of music. It's really? been sampled like 500 times and it's not this one. Um, okay. it's, it's a song called Apache and you've heard it. Like if you Google uh, Incredible Bongo Band Apache, it's like a three second and it's like 
the epitome of hip hop. You've heard it so many times. Right. It's but the fact that they went and pulled a different sample, a deep cut, an incredible yeah, bongo band deep cut. <laughs> it kind of goes back to the creativity of it. Like we're gonna make a point, and we're gonna use this the band that's the most sampled band or the most sampled. Uh, but we're not going to sample that sample. We're going to find our own new one and use right, that. Right. So, um, and then you know, again, like they've got Pink Floyd in there. They've got a Canadian gospel band, uh, Ocean. The, the drum beats from that. Uh, wow. There's a drum and guitar co- uh, chord from Mississippi Queen. Uh, for the cowbell, you know, it's like they're just going to throw everything in there, and 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 it works. And and again, the thematic that you know, this is uh, looking down the barrel of a gun. It's kind of like a. A, a, a violent i guess uh or a scary you know and they they reference clockwork orange they reference rambo um die hard you know it's all kind of action movies so it's again right. it's not just grabbing random stuff it's all tying to the theme and the story that they're taking talking about yeah you know, getting held up and in the escape and and everything else Sa- a serial killer's son of sam is in there yep and it all kind of like you said the the album as a whole it really does flow because you get the next one which you still have the uh the crime theme going on here uh let's listen to a little bit of car thief, car thief. <laughs> here in Carthy. A couple interesting things I think on this one. Like, uh, well, the main sample is uh, Renavu Plus. I can't say it, but it's the Funk Factory. It's that spice, uh, that spacey laid back vibe kind of going through it. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, I'm probably killing the name. It's French. Uh, but it's by the Funk Factory, and I recommend that. It's it's again, and that's another one that's just like this whole atmospheric vibe that they're laying into. Um, that's the main sample. The drum right after uh, "Hurdy Gurdy Man" is a Donovan Leach song called "Hurdy Gurdy Man," and they reference that in the lyrics. And I think that's interesting because his daughter uh, Iona Iona Sky was dating Ad Rock at the time. Actually, I think they were married at the time. Maybe they weren't married yet, but he ended up marrying her for a few years there. So, again, the references, just to reference it. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, there's the part where uh, MCA says, I don't I don't buy Chiba, I grow it. And if you listen closely in the background, you hear uh, 
somebody say, I'm a farmer. That's, uh, <laughs> that's from the Woodstock soundtrack. It's farmer. Max, the guy who owned the Woodstock property. He's welcoming everybody to the Woodstock concert and, wow. and saying, welcome to my property. I'm a farmer. And so they dropped the, I'm a farmer behind the, I don't grow, I don't smoke cube, I grow it. So, like little stuff like that keeps it listenable over and over and over again. Yeah, 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 for sure. There's, uh, oh my God, so many layers. And you could, uh, yeah. yeah, you could just... Uh, you can just dive and that, into and that hurdy gurdy man sample like extends into the next song. Right, right. Next one listens to a little bit of the next one is what comes around. much shit going on there yeah i mean there's there's that zeppelin uh moby dick drum sample that starts it off and yep. there's uh gene harris and the three sounds put on a train which is the main sample and then there's uh alice cooper so guitars in there like kind of throughout the thing it's like again it's like taking all these completely different genres and and throwing them into like a disco-ish upbeat hip-hop song it's crazy and again back to the all the references dolomite uh, you know uh, the ramones are referenced in there with uh, beat on the brat yep uh the flintstones you know how again how many rappers reference the flintstones doris the thinkosaurus right uh, um lee press on nails are referenced in there uh all simon album you know like there's all sorts of again like you're hearing these things, and you're like, I need to go figure out what the fuck they're talking about. Like, what is what is this stuff? And it, it ends up being an education, but a, a good one. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's just like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's so, it's so expansive when you think about, you know, some people think of music and music made in a studio to be a certain way. And this is like a totally different thing. But it's still, it's still so creative and so musical, taking all these disparate things and sort of putting it together in this you know like a mishmash of things that somehow just sort of work and become this cohesive new thing you know making something new out of that and it is you know it, it's so different than what you would normally think you know someone that's a regular music pop music fan a rock music fan but at the end of the day it's like you know the, the proof is in the pudding and, then, and there's that zeppelin drum beat like there's some more zeppelin coming up so i wanted to reference that here there's that that intro drum beat that's zeppelin and yeah. and they they use zeppelin on the first album they had i think it was the ocean oh right right, right she's right. crafty and then they also did um on rhyming and stealing uh they used a beat that there that they're using later on this album as well so again it's like not only are they uh tying threads to other artists and genres but they're also calling back their own stuff too right 
All right, and this next one, one thing they haven't really referenced much is the uh, Bible, and now they get a biblical on uh, Shadrach, right? Yeah, I think I think this might be another one uh, referencing the feud with Def Jam, but I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that after. Ah, nice. Care. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Shadrach. going on here well uh first of all the music uh the intro is rose royce again uh they sample that a lot uh but this song is do your dance it's the first thing you hear is the intro to the song with the bass drum and the clapping and then the main part is flying the family stones loose booty Which uh, I recommend. Gotta gotta love a song called Loose Booty. Right. Uh, and then uh, Never Gonna Let Him Say That I Don't Love You is Ball and Jack's song by the same name, and that's the guitar and the beat. And that's a good song, too. That's like a blues song. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, but deeper, I think, and again, you know, who knows the true intention, but I feel like this might be a diss track to Jeff Def Jam, who, again, they were having... They didn't get paid their royalties. They had a big falling out. These were their friends. Yeah, yeah, um, they made. But I mean, come on. When you when a record sells ten million copies, there's there's of course there's going to end up being. <laughs> and how do you not? You know, you just toured with Madonna. How do you not get paid for ten million copies? You know, right? Something. And so obviously that friendship fell apart. Uh, and and they were still a little angry about it. There's the line in there that says, uh, "You don't pay the band, your friends. That's weak." Yeah, uh, which is which is pretty you know it's hard to dispute that that's what that's about right uh but then the story of shadrach mishak and abdenego is uh it's three guys and there's three beastie boys uh and they were thrown into a fiery furnace for uh refusing to bow to the king's image like there was this golden statue and those three guys refused to bow at it and so they were killed and thrown right. into the furnace only to be resurrected <laughs> i believe if i remember right um, so I think that's that's a, uh, you know, I remember back in the day there was a quote about somebody had said that the Red uh, Rick Rubin had been acting like he was the god and he had given birth to the uh, Run DMC and Beastie Boys worlds. And like, right. so I think that's a, maybe a, a, a point about false gods and uh, not bowing to the golden statue oh, of yeah. the king's image. I believe that. I think that's pretty yeah. on the nose for sure. Yeah. And this is also the one, uh, this is... They got sued. There's like I don't I don't even know where it is in the song. There's a sample in there uh, that they got sued for like 23 later, 23 years later, uh, by uh, it's a Times of Trouble sample from Trouble Funk. Say what? And I don't even know where it is in there. I've looked for it. I'm not sure. But uh, people came out of the woodwork, and they, the lawsuit was filed <laughs> like the day before MCA died, oh, uh, wow. which sucks. Uh, but yeah, it's 
Isn't, know, again, um, isn't a funky drummer uh, James Brown in there uh, too at some point? Because uh, that's one thing I know. That's another beat that's been sampled like all over the place. Uh, funky drummer, you could find that all. Yep, over the funky place. drummer. That's uh, the beat that leads into the next song. I think. Oh, okay, right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you could, you could, you could say, "Hey, isn't this song in there?" And you'd be correct because yeah. <laughs> this album has everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you got the little little snippet as for Janice, and then B Boy uh, Bass, uh the medley, which is basically like nine songs, right? Sort of like you, you could say nine separate songs, but sort of like all, all put together. And yeah, there's so you could we could have done a podcast just on this one. Uh, on, on this, I one, feel right? like this was like uh, they had a whole bunch of cool beats and stuff, and had no full songs and they're like let's just mash it together and make one long yeah like uh, a 12 piece. minute thing yeah. but it's and, great and it's again awesome. it, it goes it goes back to the sergeant pepper thing right it's like kind of a it's just it's all over the place but it all works it all flows into each other and it is i'm not know. we could talk let's just talk about different whatever you want to pick out and talk because i can't i mean it's like i said it's 12 minutes it's like nine basically nine different things so yeah just to tell me give, give me highlights of this what you think and i'll just drop it all in there later <laughs> yeah i mean even even if you played a part it wouldn't be representative because it changes so quickly exactly, and so furiously exactly. but uh I, I guess i would call out the first one part a so they've got a bunch of parts to this part a is 59th christie street yep. that's the name of it that's the first place they started practicing together it loops. Uh, there's a drum beat in there that's a uh, jungle line by Joni Mitchell. Uh, but it's not what you would think when you think of Joni Mitchell. Like, if you would listen to the original song, uh, it's kind of more like Portishead. It's kind of like a weird experimental thing. I, I dig it. Um, but that's the drum beat loop. Uh, there's some Jimi Hendrix, Backwards Mask. Uh, again, they sample their own buddies, uh, Run DMC, uh, with the Ah Yeah in there. Um, there's a scratch in there called uh, Rockin' in the Pocket. And it's, it's subtle. But it's talk. It's when uh, Ad Rock's talking about like a sexual encounter, and the sample is "Rocket in the Pocket," "Rocket in the Pocket." And then, like again, it goes to like intention. Like they could have sampled anything for that scratch, but they "Rocket in the Pocket" is obviously a direct reference to the sexual lyrics that Ad Rock's doing at the time. Right. I guess it's just to point out that they're not just using any sample they can get. Even just for the scratches, they're using things that are direct reference or reason right then there's uh get on get on the mic which is like a beatbox from starsky live at the disco fever by lovebug starsky uh that pops up a couple times in this uh they reference dick butt kiss of the chicago bears yes. jelly roll morton <laughs> rollo you know rollo's candy um there's uh stop that train has the bass drum horns and chimes from save the world by all the people which is a good song right hello brooklyn oh so okay here here's a good one so going back to the zeppelin uh on um part d i guess and part e a year in the day and hello brooklyn are the two parts of this song that they go back to the zeppelin um they also they also have the usual tower of power and oh isley brothers that's this is the part where you hear uh Isley Brothers, Who's That Lady Come In, which uh, most people know, but that's a great song, too. But Led Zeppelin, when the levee breaks, they use that. Uh, they speed it up to 45 RPM, and that's uh, during this part. Oh, okay. uh, then on the next song, then on the next part of the song, Hello, Brooklyn, they bring that beat back in, but they slow it down to 30, 30, 33 and a third, which, again, is like kind of a reference. Not, not only is it a great sample, but it's also referencing their old album where they sampled Zeppelin. Yeah. And that exact same song and beat on Rhyming and Stealing. Yeah, and, and also that little thing, Hello Brooklyn, I read, it's only one of two things on the whole a record where there's actually some live uh, live instruments being played on that one. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, because I think I think I said somebody said ninety five percent of the music is samples, so that must be three of the five percent. Yeah, yeah, right. 
But yeah, I mean, there, there's just there's a bunch of stuff, and we could go we could go on and on about this one. There's so many samples. Uh, the one that sticks out to me that uh, drives me a little crazy is uh, on dropping names. They use uh, Crusaders. The well's gone dry. great sample that they use but to me like that song has this horn section which i can't believe they didn't use they didn't use the horn <laughs> section and like when you listen to the original song you're like this would be a cool sample right uh so i think it's a perfect album except that they should have used some of those <laughs> horns. all right kevin but, strong uh strong yeah. opinion from kevin <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i mean and, and then it then it keeps going and there's a million other samples and references but then it goes back to uh the track that opened the whole thing the uh Right. Yeah, I just Muhammad. Right, which is nice. And yeah, it does kind of, it, it just goes to show you the intent on putting this all together and the artistry involved. It's just like really mind boggling. The, the embracing of the whole album as a piece rather than these singles, you know? Yeah. It, it loops, it goes back. And and, and it's brave. At the end of the day, it was brave of them because they could have obviously just made a, uh, you know, their first album, part two, uh, which is what, you know, you, a 15 year old you was probably looking for. <laughs> but especially they, when it was so they successful too yeah yeah but they didn't do that and they they sort of dove in and they you know they expanded uh they expanded the musical palette and yeah and they sort of changed the uh, a trajectory of music especially hip-hop music going forward from that which is a big deal yeah, absolutely and again like I, we said it a couple times but like it, it's one of those albums like you can keep going back to like 30 years later. I mean, I just put it on before this call to like listen and refresh myself. And there was new things I was noticing, you know, like it's, 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 it's layered. It's so layered. Right. There's always something new to find and appreciate. Yep. Yeah. So uh, this was great. This was a great uh, record uh, to go through and to do. And I'm glad uh, you did it. Obviously there's just so much, uh, there's so much in there and there's so much to dig into, but it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a good one to talk about. Like, you, we we could talk for another three hours about all the you know one sample alone. We could go off a deep dive on right, that right, song, right, and right. why it's important. But you know, we don't have time for three hundred samples. We do not have time for that. All right, Kevin. So uh, the thing, what's so what's going on with uh, Born Innocent, the Red Cross story? Where where are we at with that right now? We are finishing that up right now. Uh, we screened it down in L.A. a couple weeks ago uh, for some distributors and friends and family, and the band was there for Q and A. Oh. Nice. And we got some interest from that, and and we're just shopping it around, trying to get a distributor so that we can get it out into the bigger world, uh, for more eyeballs to see it. Um, same thing. I'm I'm also working on a film with the Willie Nelson family. Um, and we're, same thing there. We're done with that one, um, and we're shopping it around and oh, hoping nice. to get it out there so that everybody can see it soon. All right, that's great. So uh, you're a busy guy. You're keeping busy, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you <laughs> taking time. I mean, this is just my hobby. I have a real job too, and a family. But really, you know, it's fun to do. You know, Look at you. I, again, like I, I I give a lot of credit to this Paul's Boutique album of like giving me such a breadth of like variety of music interest and, and and it's just going on that scavenger hunt that they they put out there with this album of like all these references and songs and genres that 15 year old kevin didn't know right and right, needed right. to go find and each one of those songs led down a different path i mean that's i think now today that's why i'm so into music and how it's how it's so enriching because there's so many different genres and like i i, I strongly believe that there's not a bad song there's like Every song in the world, there's a time and a moment for it. It might be a super sucky time and moment, but <laughs> I feel like there's a reason. Like any song can add to anything. It's yeah, done yeah. right. Um, and 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 so that's kind of where 
as a music supervisor coming in and and, and finding uh, songs for different scenes. Um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's commercials, it's 30 seconds, you don't have much time, so you got to use all the senses. You got to find something super impactful. So it's the visuals and, and what you're hearing. Right. Uh, and in movies, you know, you got to find that perfect song for the scene. Um, and having that encyclopedia knowledge of so many different genres, like if you only knew one genre of music, you would be, you know, you could only make one kind of film or one kind of feeling through your stories. But um Luckily, I found this album and it educated me on all these different genres and it set me off on all these different paths. So I, I do give a lot of credit to this album that I originally did not like uh, for <laughs> <Right? laughs> uh, opening up to me to all these different worlds. And now I love it. And, and I, give, I point to it for a lot of uh, inspiration for what. That's what great. Well, that's a great thing about music, and yeah, yeah, I always find that uh, with do, just doing this podcast for like uh, going on six years, yeah, there's just so much, so much great music out there, and there's so much I've been exposed to. Just people bring in. Well, there's got to be even if it's something I thought I didn't really like that, but it's like there's got there's usually something, especially if someone really loves something. There's usually something about it that makes it special. So. Again, going back to there's no bad song. Like even the worst song, somebody's gonna like it. Exactly. And as an artist, if if you impact one person. Uh, I think you've, uh, you know, you've done something special. There you go. And uh, if you guys want to uh, want to do something special, you could go to patreon.com forward slash TRJMH and you become a patron of the podcast. I would really appreciate it. You could follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high on exits at TRGMH podcast. You could email me TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Unless you have anything bad to say about this, that we got something wrong, just email Kevin uh, directly, I think, for that. You don't need to. Uh, <laughs> but don't give them the email address. Other than that, uh, don't forget to rate, uh, review, and subscribe. I really appreciate it. All right, Kevin, this was great. Thanks a lot for coming on. For having me, man. That was great. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Rob Elba. Get out of here. Thank you. See?